Hello, everyone. I am just so touched by the presence of God during that worship set. Um, I just feel very teary right now. It's just such a wonder that Christ has died for us and that he's alive. And just the realization, you know, that he died instead of me. I deserve to die. And he didn't, didn't just die for me, he died in my place. And it's incredible. And when that is the foundation of your heart, that you've received him and that you're living with him loving on you and bringing you into freedom is, is such a wonderful thing. You know, that needs to be the foundation of our life, but the foundation of our homes as well. I know that some of you are experiencing a bit of, um, I don't know, maybe pressure or pain in this time. And I just want to encourage you to get back to the fact that Christ has died for you. And that's the basis. We need to see each other through those eyes. You know, Jesus has died for your husband. Mm -hmm. He's forgiven. <laughs> you know, how can I not love him the way Jesus does? Anyway, the purpose of me talking right now is to say Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Russ knew I'd have more to say. Um, just the verse I want to read is from Isaiah. It's chapter 40, verses 10 and 11. Behold, the Lord shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work is before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He'll carry them in his bosom, and he'll gently lead those that are with young. And I know as moms that we're so often, those of us who are moms, we're so full of self-doubt sometimes, and we just question, am I doing everything right? Um, should I be working? Should I be a stay-at-home mom? Um, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> what are my kids going to say about me in 25 years when they're sitting on the therapist's couch? <laughs> All these things go through our heads. We feel like we never match up and we're never good enough. And I just felt like through these verses, the Lord wants to say to you who are moms with kids at home right now, He gently leads those that are with young. And to just relax and be kind to yourself. Like he wants to lead you. He wants to gather the lambs in his mm. arms and carry them in his bosom. That's the heart of the Father towards you. It's the heart of Jesus towards you. So come into that place where Jesus can be close to you and minister to you. You know, Mother's Day is one of those funny things because it's really um, started by the world. It's not really a celebration in the Word of God. But at the same time, it has biblical foundations. You know, in Ephesians 6, it says to honor your father and mother that it may go well with you in the land or on the earth. And so it comes with that promise. So even if you're not a mother, you have a mother. <laughs> and our call today is to really take some time to honor um, the mothers in our lives. It's, it does, it's good for them, but it's also good for us. So I love you guys. Can't wait to see you again. Bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. <clears throat> Again, I echo Mary, just thanks to the uh, worship team, just a wonderful sense of God's presence. As we get into the Word, can I ask you to pray? Well, we just, uh, I want to acknowledge my dependence on you. As Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong, not because there's some strange thing, but because when we're weak, we throw ourselves on you. And you strengthen us. Lord, we just thank you that it's your spirit 
that leads us into truth. We want to say that we're not here to be inspired, be challenged, but to actually be changed, to be transformed to the image of Christ. And so we give you that permission this morning, Holy Spirit. Change our thinking as we need to see differently and then manifest your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good to be with you. Let me say, uh, start with a friend of mine. I was talking to a friend, one of the guys on the team, Paul Zanardo, uh, this week, and he was telling me that in February, he was flying back to Australia from New Zealand before the lockdown of the COVID-19 thing, and he heard God say that this is a season of rest before deployment. Rest before deployment. And he felt as often when God speaks that it wasn't a passivity. It's not like rest and do nothing, but it was a re-strengthening. It's like the uh, special forces after a uh, engagement come back and rearm and re-strengthen for the next one. And that there was something of a re-strengthening. I felt, as I shared last week, a season of strengthening. Now, I have to admit, I got prepared for this morning, and my thoughts were all over the place. This led to this, and led to this, and led to this, and, and uh, I struggled during the night, didn't sleep much as God kind of corralled those crazy things running all over the place and brought it to a different direction. So I'm going to ask you if you would turn with your Bible, turn in your Bible with me, turn with your Bible, turn in your Bible to uh, Psalm 84. Don't I have the most tremendous wife? She is absolutely delightful and gorgeous. She's very uh, positive this morning. She pulled a uh, place between her ribs this week. So she's been uh, struggling with some pain, hard to move, but she's still been cheerful. Psalm 84, I was just giving you time to turn, that was... From verse 1, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. Tabernacle was the word for God's dwelling, God's place of dwelling. And uh, we know that that actually refers to God's presence. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. That's the presence of God again. It's not for a place, but it's for God's presence. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Seems like we just sang that. You would think that maybe we had communicated what was going to be done in the worship and what I was preaching, and we didn't. So I loved it. Uh, verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Again, dwelling in God's presence. They will still be praising you. And then from that foundation of the presence of God, it goes on to say, blessed, that word blessed literally means happy and to be envied. We get this kind of spiritual thing, but it just means someone who's happy and to be envied. Blessed is the person whose strength is in you. Blessed, happy to be envied is the person whose strength is in you. Strength in God, not in ourselves, 
not in our circumstances, not even in those around us. There is something about together we can do more, but there's something of a blessing that comes when our strength is not in others, but it's in God. Not in ourselves, not in what we can do, but in Him. And then it says this, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Now that pilgrimage word kind of throws us. It literally means a moving on, whose heart is set on continuing, on moving on. It's tied in with Philippians 3, where Paul said, I press on for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is a moving forward. It's tied historically into Israel coming out of Egypt and following the cloud. Whenever the cloud moved, they would move. Cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You know the story. Whenever the cloud rose or the pillar of fire rose, they would get up and they'd follow. That signified the presence of God. There was something of a moving forward. God is on the move. And there's something in our heart that says, I'm moving with God. I'm not going to settle down. Unfortunately, history tells us about a whole lot of people who settle down. They hear some revelation from God. They identify with it. They make it their name. They often face persecution. But then the next move of God, God has to find another group of people. Because those people have settled down with their revelation. But when our strength is in Him, we can continue with a heart of moving, of moving forward and not settling down. It says, as they passed through the valley of Baca, which is actually a place of dryness. Uh, some scholars say that valley of Baca could also have been the valley of Rephaim, which is giants. Uh, but from the context, it looks like dryness. When they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring, and rain also covers it with pools. I find that interesting. A spring wells up from the ground, and rain falls down. Jesus says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There's something of the welling up of God in us, but there's also something of the pouring out of God on us. It's not one or the other, it's both in that place of dryness. They go from strength to strength. And what I want to talk about this morning from that is that our strength comes from the presence of God. Our strength comes from the presence of God. In order to do that, I want to for some of you, change your perspective, change your way of thinking this morning. I'm going to hit some cultural uh, biases and try and bring some revelation. But first, I want you to understand, turn with me to Exodus 34. Our strength from, comes from God, but the first thing we need to understand is that we reflect Him. Exodus 34 from verse 29. Now it was when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. 
And Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward the children of Israel came near, and he gave to them the commandments which the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of his face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak to him. And then turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 7. The writer picks up this very same thing. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Holy Spirit not be more glorious? And if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds are blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, and the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, but just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What I want to say is that there is something in the Bible about us reflecting Him. It's kind of like the moon and the sun. Uh, we have a full moon uh, right now, or we would if the clouds were away. And, uh, but most of you have seen a full moon, and the moon reflects the light of the sun. So much so that it can actually light up the night. But as long as it reflects the sun, it never becomes a sun. It just reflects the light of the sun. It never has its own light. It's reflecting something else. The point I'm trying to make, and I'm getting there roundabout, is this. Our culture's view of man and most of us have this, is that we have a hollow core that needs to be filled. We have this emptiness in us that we're looking for something to fill us. It comes from Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of need theory from 1941, which has affected most of psychology. And basically we find our wholeness or our self-realization by fulfilling our needs. In the 1970s, uh, during the charismatic movement, there was a great little song, but it was, Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. 
Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. In the context, it was talking about wanting the presence of God. But it was tied into what was the prevailing culture at the time. That were these empty cups that need to be filled. But what I want to say is this. As Christians, that might reflect the world, but as Christians, we reflect His glory. We reflect His light. Jesus is the light of the world. We operate in His authority. We see His power poured out through us. But we don't get filled up until we have a light of our own. That's our concept, many of us. We don't get our own glory. If we reflect Him enough, we think, oh, I'll get, I'll get that same glory. As we move in His authority, but it's always His authority. We don't get an authority of our own. It's a reflecting of Him. I want to say this in the same way. We don't get filled with strength so that we have a strength of our own. He is always our strength. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Strength always remains in Him. It's not like if I hang around with Him, if I have this visitation of God, I'll get strength and pretty soon I'm in Superman. I'm strong. I can do anything. I can handle anything. And we get this idea that I've gotten filled up and now I can go do my thing and I don't need this dependence any longer. I think that's why Paul boasts in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why? Because when I'm weak, I press into him who is my strength. He actually says, I will boast in my weakness. Do you understand the difference? What I want to say this morning is that we're strong as we continue in his presence. Not as we visit once. Get me filled. No, it's as we continue. God's plan is that we we're always walking in relationship with Him. He loves us so much. He wanted this relationship. He made it in such a way that we're the moon that reflects His light. We don't get our own light. We're the instrument that moves in His authority, but we don't get our own authority. We're the weak who can see His strength poured out, but we don't get our own strength that we can go do our own thing. What a glorious picture of his love for us. Because if he did it differently, you know you, and you know me. I'm super mad. I can do whatever I want. I can overcome this. And we begin to do it on our own. So, I want to talk about entering his presence. I mentioned that last week, but I want to expand it to living in his presence. How we get there is how we stay. I want to expand it from just entering His presence to living in His presence. Because how we get there is how we stay. As we saw last week, we enter His gates with thanksgiving, with praise, singing Psalm 100, verse 1 to 4. I read it last week. 
And uh, if I can find it in my Bible, I will read it again. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Verse 4, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. So there's something about coming into His presence, but there's something about living in His presence. That's why we have to remain a people of worship. That's why the Bible stresses worship so, so much. That's why what we will do for eternity is worship. It's not like I can do it once in a while. I need to live a life of worship. Because then I live in His presence. I spoke about that last week. I won't go into that again. Uh, but I want to go on and talk about we come into His presence we enter His presence or we live in His presence by faith. And I want to focus on that a little bit this morning. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Most of you know Hebrews 11 in verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction or evidence of things not seen. So what I want to say is that faith is a conviction, not a feeling. See, I don't have to wait to worship until I feel the presence of God. I do it because that's what the Bible says. Matthew 18, 20 says, if two or three are gathered in mind, then they're mine in the midst of them. Jesus is present where there's two or three. But what if I don't feel it? Is he not present? No, of course he is. He said he is. Why am I making this point? Because one of the other characteristics of our culture's view of man is that we know truth through our emotions or feelings. The, the cultural statements what does your heart say? Follow your heart. Go with your heart. Go with your emotions is what it's saying. But the Bible says, in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. My emotions are deceitful. And I'm going to let them determine where I go and what I do. That's our culture. That's the lie of the devil. That it's all about our feelings. See, this hollow core psychology, which comes from Maslow, has the effect of turning our focus inward. What do I feel? What am I experiencing? Let me find the truth inside. But faith turns our focus outward and upward. Good. Hebrews 12, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking to Jesus. So much so that A.W. Tozer said, faith is the gaze of the soul at an awesome God. Faith is the gaze of the soul my focus is caught up with him. Looking to Jesus is fixing my eyes on Jesus. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Before some of you get upset at me. Often, the presence of God touches us emotionally and physically. I get teary. I cried my way through this whole worship time this morning. Just weeping. Had to blow my nose three or four times. So there is something of the presence of God that touches us. I get teary. Some people shake. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. God does touch us sometimes when we come into his presence, emotionally, physically. But what I want to say is this, that those feelings or experiences are not the standard of whether God is present or not. They're not the standard. If I feel something, God's here. No, he's here because he says he's here. And if he chooses to touch me in a way that overwhelms me, that's, that's great. But I can't say that God wasn't here unless I feel that. See, the thing is, he's worthy of praise, no matter how I feel. Or what, what the circumstances around me look like. His word is true regardless of my feelings. So what am I saying? We enter his presence with thanksgiving, with with worship, but we also enter his presence by faith. There's something that says, I believe God's word, and I will enter his presence. I'll go boldly to that throne room. I'll enter that place of his presence, uh, regardless of my feelings. There's a point where I might not feel great, but if I begin to say, God, I'm going to come to your presence, He can do something in me. And so his word is true, regardless of my feelings. A number of years ago, I was living in another nation and uh, went to pray for a woman who had a back issue. She had some degenerative discs and back problems. She'd been in bed for weeks, five or six weeks. Uh, She couldn't move. She couldn't get out of bed. Uh, She was in a bad shape. And... uh, She called for the elders of the church. And we went in obedience to the word. The other guy with me, as we're going over there, I said, you feeling anything? He said, no. I said, how about you? Nothing. Why are we going? Because the word says we are. She called for us. We're going to go anoint her with oil, and we're going to pray, because the word says we should. And we did. And God touched her and she jumped up out of bed. And she began to move and she walked back and forth across the, the room. And eventually she went out the, the door and ran down the street where she lived. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I went, God's amazing. If it were based on our feelings, neither one of us would have prayed. It wasn't our faith, our feelings that brought healing. Jesus is the healer. Sometimes, I want to tell you this, sometimes all you need is enough faith to obey. Obey the word. Obey what God's saying. It's not your faith that makes someone well. Oh, but what about that scripture where Jesus says to the woman, your faith has made you well. Her faith was enough to get her to run to Jesus. And Jesus is the healer. The Bible's very clear. Jesus was the healer. 
Faith isn't the healer. Jesus is. But when our faith makes us run to Jesus, we can say, your faith has made you well. When my weakness causes me to run to Jesus, I can say, my weakness has made me strong. Well, that's kind of stupid if you leave out the Jesus part. It's not a play on words. It's a reality of his presence. His continued presence. We are reflectors. And when the sun goes down, the moon has no light. So I just want to encourage you. Let's stay reflected. There is a residual, as it was in, in Moses, a religious glory that faded. Okay? We don't have to move outside of God's presence. We don't have to say, if he'll only visit me, some special meeting. Or if the church could get together. Let me tell you, you have the privilege of his presence every single day, all day, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And that will strengthen you. So what does that mean for us? I want to say this. Let's go boldly to the throne of grace. Let's worship and praise him, irregardless of how we feel. Let's fix our eyes on him. Let's trust and rest in him. Let's find our strength in him and then watch him strengthen us so that we go from strength to strength. And then as Paul said, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Doesn't mean that he follows along behind me. It means as I rush into him and am part of what he's doing and walk in obedience, I can do. And then lastly, we can continue moving forward. Following the cloud and not settling down. That's been the message of the kingdom and the church for 2,000 years. It's not new. God's on the move. He's doing something new. He's always been doing something new. That's who he is. It doesn't take a real prophetic anointing to realize that God's doing something new. That's just who he is. The question is, have, am I settling down or, or I'm, am I moving with him? So let me encourage you. Let's take advantage of this season of strengthening. Our intimacy with him. Our worship. Then when we do have the privilege of gathering together again, and there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Wonderful that in a few months we might be able to do that in groups. But when we do that, there's a huge difference. Someone once said, what a difference between a people who gather to be filled and a filled people who gather. A people who gather with a cup mentality saying someone pour into me or people who are full of the presence of God and the strength of God and the glory of God and the light of God who gather what an amazing thing so I look forward to that can I just finish with this as I was praying this morning I felt the Holy Spirit say there's someone who's watching who's trying to be strong in yourself. 
Your thought is if you can do all the right things, make all the right choices, you'll make it. And I want to encourage you to give up. And I don't mean become passive. I mean trust in Jesus. Let him be your strength. Find your rest and your peace in him. Not in the efforts that you're trying to do. Interesting enough, as I felt God was saying that, I felt he said something just up. There's someone else who's watching. It's almost just the opposite, that you've just given up. You've said, I can't do it. It's too hard. I'll never overcome this addiction. Or I'll never overcome this hurt. Or I'll never overcome this situation. And God's saying, in your own strength, you won't. But in His, all things are possible. Can we pray? Holy Spirit, we just stand amazed. Jesus, that you made a way that we can come. We just acknowledge this morning our weakness. And we come to you. And we find our strength in you. Lord, we are and want to be those blessed people who find their strength in you. Lord, we run to you. Not just occasionally, we want to live in that place of your presence. And Lord, for these who maybe are trying to do it on their own or have given up, Holy Spirit, would you right now Touch them. And in your revelation, manifest your presence. Right this moment. Lord, I just speak freedom to those who are trying to do it on their own. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go back and do the uh, song that we sang earlier. Uh, this is the air I breathe. Because it's so indicative of what I've just shared that it's actually the presence of God that is our life. It isn't that just that Jesus redeemed us, but he redeemed us so that we can live in the presence of God. Not just so that our sins could be removed. That's awesome. But that's the doorway to the kingdom. That's the doorway to coming into this presence. And so we're going to do that again. And I want to encourage you, just allow his presence to touch you and maybe overwhelm you in your emotions or physically. But if you feel nothing, realize it's still his presence. This is the This is my day.
desperate for you And I I'm lost without you This is the end Thank you.